Welcome to Imagine This Podcast. A conversation show from Imagine MKE, where we talk to creative leaders in Milwaukee and beyond to highlight all the incredible transformative power of their work in our region. We hope that after listening to the pod, you'll be able to imagine our city's arts and culture ecosystem and all the awesome artists, organizations, and creative assets within it in a new way. I'm David Lee. I'm Lindsay Sheridan. And I'm Elizabeth Gasparka. Welcome to Imagine This Podcast. Hey there, folks. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, David. How's it going? I was supposed to be invisible. How'd you guys see me? Oh, <laughs> your well, cloak is malfunctioning. It, it, That's apparently right. so. That's right. Hey, everybody. We are have magic on the mind, and David has yet to master disappearing, despite maybe sometimes he wants to in the middle of this recording or some <laughs> meetings. <laughs> I can hide. So on Zoom, I can hide myself, right? But that doesn't that doesn't hide me from you. It just hides just from, me from just me, from yourself. From myself. <laughs> that's an existential problem there. Like, where did I go? That's an, that's another podcast, actually. <laughs> well, well, today we're a little bit less in existential territory and a little bit more in magic of the entertainment variety, not the Harry Potter variety. As as we know, we love to make fun of my my love of Harry Potter, my youth, but not that kind today. Um, today we'll be talking to Luca, who produces a show, magic show called deceptions in downtown milwaukee maybe you've heard of it maybe you haven't but first we're going to explore uh, magic in a variety of forms you know keeping it close to the arts to start i'm curious elizabeth what's a magical performance that you've experienced lately oh my goodness the first thing that comes to mind is the live performance by the band sun lux that i caught at cactus club last month Ooh. that was absolutely mind-blowing if you're not familiar with the band Sunlux, they did the score for Everything Everywhere All at Once. I love that film, loved the music, went to college with the guitarist in the band and happened to be walking past Cactus Club and saw that they were playing and ended up reconnecting with the guitarist Rafik Batia and then catching their set and it was extraordinary. It was one of those performances where you hope that they're filming it because it's just so cinematic and so beautiful you know complete with fog machines and different colored lights and strobing lights and then sort of all of that interacting with cactus's backdrop which is this graphic black and white painting mm -hmm. it was phenomenal kind of felt like fate that you happened to walk by at the right time right yeah a few layers of magic right the performance yeah. itself was magic but then the sort of coincidences that led up to finding myself there was was pretty yeah. magic too yeah so the last couple of nights i've gone to outdoor performances one chill on the hill mso and then last night tosa tonight a band called them coolie boys and we haven't really had this in quite the same way the last couple of summers right because people couldn't plan for 2021 even though we were all a little bit more out in the world, but the magic of live music outdoors in the summer is just, I think, unmatched. I just walked away from both of those, like just feeling the joy of the music still kind of humming around in my head, but also just the feeling of like being out in the air at night. It just, it's perfect. It's magic. I think it's magical that you didn't die of heat stroke on Tuesday <laughs> yeah. because it was 95 degrees. And I really felt for the symphony performers that evening. Oh, yeah. With all those instruments mm -hmm. melting, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something about it felt comforting after you were out in it for a while. Like the humidity mm. kind of felt like a warm 
blanket or bath. <laughs> <laughs> or bath. You have to be out there for long enough for that to actually happen, though. That's right. right. Like, you have to yeah. like, fight through the initial. Exactly. Pain. So by maybe... the end of the night, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say maybe that's the first sign of heat stroke. <laughs> like you feel the <laughs> sensation that you're under like a hot weighted blanket with lots of strangers around you. I do think I got a little bit like tougher about humidity living in DC for a few years and that it felt like that felt familiar in a way, but that at first felt, I'm sure, unbearable. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. David, how about you? Any magical performances that come to mind? You know, uh, this is maybe coming at this question a little bit sideways, but as uh, you both know, I've been taking sailing lessons of, of late and it is... Uh, by the way, the the Milwaukee Community Sailing Center, uh, self-described as uh, one of our areas, like sort of most or least hmm. understood cultural asset. I mean, that you can sort of become an you can become a member and then learn how to sail as 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 we are, and then take boats out on the lake just seems crazy, right? But that that is true. Um, and I didn't know this, but they are uh, a a well-known, world-renowned hmm. sailing program. Um, so, anyways. Hmm magical learning about how sales work um <laughs> which is incredible that you have this mast and you, it's attached to a boat and you have the mainsail and then you have this thing underneath the boat and that basically wind propels you i mean it is like it's it's a it's, rudder david no well <laughs> the rudder the steers you but then there's the keel <laughs> oh. oh is the keel yeah. like a like a weight kind it's of? a weight it's a fin okay. essentially right so if you if you imagine like an airplane a yeah. boat is basically now I'm doing the, the visual is great for an audio do this, podcast. Right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, where the where the sail is one wing and then the keel is the second mm. wing, mm. Um, and so in this class they're they're sharing with us how basically sails work and it's basically aerodynamics of like high pressure low pressure and they're essentially like, look, it's like how planes fly and I'm sitting there like. Here's here's the thing right where I'm like I don't know anything I'm a dummy right I'm like sitting there like like holy smokes. Planes fly because high pressure wants to find low pressure, and that's why you get lift, which is the same reason why boats move through water. And I was like, whoa, that's magic. And then the teacher was like, no, it's physics. And I'm like, <laughs> which is, which same is, thing. it's essentially same the same thing, the right? Same thing. Yeah. As we're learning, yeah. as we'll learn from Luca, that like, you know, yeah. magic is just about like presentation and how you move things and, and everything right. else. And so, yeah, um, yeah it's, it was, and, and also, by the way, Sunset on the lake mm-hmm. in a sailboat is pretty magical, even if you don't know how to steer and don't know how to capture the wind and, and everything else. And don't know what a rudder is. And, <laughs> I actually, right. I, I actually know how, what a rudder, yeah. Just how you steer it is is, is, is the difference, right? Is, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Note to self, rudder steers. Got it. Okay. First sailing lesson complete. Um, <laughs> I have another question for you guys. So, if you were to become endowed with magical powers for the rest of the day, oh, what would you do? With- just the day, just yeah. today, yeah, today in particular, just this day. Oh, oh wow! Mm-hmm. While you're thinking, I know what my answer is. Okay, you go first. I would wish to have the ability to pick the most perfect avocado from the avocados at Outpost. Because I for, for consumption tonight, exactly for guacamole. Ripe enough later, <laughs> exactly. I so I've been very disappointed recently. No matter where I purchase the avocados from, no matter how they look and appear on the outside, they're just not quite right. So um, I think what you're describing is 
like a vision thing, right? That you would be able mm-hmm. to see through yes. the avocado. Isn't the magical power of of finding the the ripest avocado just the time to be able to touch everyone? No, no. Because then you're messing up all the avocados. You're bruising them. Well, how but, do you, how do you all pick your avocados? You just like don't you don't touch them? Hope for the best. <laughs> that does not like a seem like a, like for a bad guacamole. Right. That doesn't seem like a Lindsay Sheridan response. We're gonna just I, hope for the yeah. best. <laughs> She's incredibly just grab some avocados thoughtful and, and like impeccable in all areas of life except in her avocado picking. She just she just throws caution to the wind. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. The same wind that's powering the sailboat that Correct. That's right. is magically moving across the water. <laughs> okay, well that that's a very micro and specific example. I'm I'm in awe of that because I would go for like a big magical power like reading minds or flying like a bird or something crazy like that. But I appreciate the specificity of the like simple joy of being able to execute on a great guacamole i've had Um, to have some bad avocados to get to this point (laughs) yeah 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 the only thing though with the magic power of reading minds which actually we'll hear a little bit from luca about mentalism and i still don't totally understand how he does this trick where he does some sort of mind reading right um i guess i'll find out when i go to a show tomorrow night the problem with reading minds of course is is that really a power you want then the mystery is totally gone and the the noise and clutter of like everyone's thoughts occupying euros probably would get pretty tiring but maybe just for like an hour it'd be interesting yeah but it's only a day right if th- this That's is right. sort of like the arts and culture leader question yeah. right like if you had the power for five yeah. minutes or, or, or an hour yeah yeah i'll take that for today that sounds good mm-hmm. for me it's it it would be sort of like what you're thinking Lindsay. like if I could manifest magical powers for an hour or so, or like half a day, I would, the magical power would be to be able to talk to my dog and, <laughs> and to have a conversation with her. And, you know, we would talk and like get to know each other and like, sort of like, I would ask her questions about her internal life and what she's doing when she's looking out the window or what she's like smelling. But I don't want to know about it all the time, right? I want to know, <laughs> I want to have an idea and I want her to understand me. And one thing that, that I definitely want her to know is that when we leave, we're coming back home and she doesn't have to Aww. miss us. And then I love her very much. And then, <laughs> and then the power can go away, right? And that would be it. So speaking of things that are a little unknowable or a little mysterious, have either of you experienced something that felt magical or paranormal or something like that? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, it with a creepy with oh, a creepy wow. dot dot dot. Tell us more. It's it's actually the most insane coincidence you've ever heard in your life. So buckle up. So I went to high school in Westchester, New York, but I spent my summers uh in summer camp near Burlington, Vermont, which is like a full, I don't know, like 8-hour drive away from Westchester. And When I was in high school and my time at summer camp had come to a close, I was in the stacks of the library, my my small high school library, and I was talking to my friend and we were leaning against a bookshelf and the spine of a book was, was bright yellow and purple and it stood out to me. And I read the words and the words were encounter at Buffledge. And the camp that I went to was called Brownledge Camp. 
And I had, I knew that there was a sister camp called Buffledge that was in operation for only a, f- a handful of years in the 1970s. So I pull out this book and the cover is this like very bad clip art graphic of <laughs> like log cabins, Lake Champlain and a UFO. <laughs> and it is a full, it's a full book written by a person who's a PhD in alien science on an alleged alien abduction that took place during the dress rehearsal of Hello Dolly in like 1970 something. <laughs> okay, so not, I thought you were gonna be like, I was in Hello Dolly at this camp. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no more layers to it. It's that's, that's all. It's just that the, that in the like very yeah. limited library yeah, of my high school so was weird. this like nearly self-published book that you can buy on amazon.com actually it still exists um <laughs> and i course. i invite you to google it at this time yeah um <clears throat> just to see the graphic if nothing else but yeah it's it's a long account of counselors and campers who claimed that they went a- aboard an alien spacecraft and had wow experiments run on them that's so weird. You know, it's funny. I, I had a, when you began, when you were beginning to tell a story, Elizabeth, I was, and you said where you grew up, I was like, I was going to say a lot of UFO abductions happened there. Mm, yeah. Valley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've watched that show on Netflix, Unsolved <laughs> Mysteries or something. There's a, there's an episode about that area, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a hot spot. Hmm. Yep. David, do you have any stories? So a couple of years ago, a couple, like 10 years ago, my, my wife was seeing like a medical intuitive, right? This is somebody who like is a bit of a, I don't know, a fortune teller, medical person who like does this kind of like intuitive feeling, uh, plugging in with spirits, sort of doing all that stuff, right? And she is, she was, and, and I, I'm assuming still is, uh, just incredibly accurate with like, sort of like getting visions from, you know, spirits or whatever. Anyways, Tammy was like super jazzed about, about this woman. and was like, David, you gotta go, you gotta go visit with this person. And I was like, no, nah, I don't know. I believe your experience. I don't need to experience any of it. That's cool. She's like, no, you should go. So she made an appointment for me and. And so didn't think much of it. And, you know, she kept reminding me over, you know, the, 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 because this woman books out way far in advance. And so finally, after a couple months, it's the night before my appointment, go to sleep that night. I'm not somebody who typically remembers my dreams or dreams mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. But that night when I, when I was asleep, uh, I had a dream. Don't remember what was going on in the dream. The only thing I remember waking up is a black obsidian arrowhead. Right, just sort of like in the front of my eyes, kind of floating there as I'm as I'm waking up, and I wake up and I'm like, "That's really interesting." I don't typically, again, remember anything about my dreams, but huh, that's interesting. Uh, and it sort of just followed away, right? And sort of go on about my day. Later on the day, go to this appointment and visit with this medical intuitive lady who, you know, for about forty five minutes, is basically like express therapy, right? Like she's like, "What do you want to do in your life? This is how you're going to do what you're." what you're put on this earth to do, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I've been in therapy before. Like I kind of, I get this experience. Like, I don't know what the big deal is. Right. And as we're wrapping up, she says to me, okay, let me plug in to see what the spirits have to say to you. Uh, And I'm like, oh, this is interesting, whatever. And I'm sitting there and she closes her eyes and 
kind of like focuses and she's like uh yeah like i'm seeing a older man and i don't know why he's telling this to me but he wants you to know he wants me to show you a black obsidian arrowhead (gasps) (laughs) and i'm sitting there and i'm like what the (laughs) what and like my face must have gone white, right? Because I didn't tell Tammy, I didn't tell anybody, right? It was just between me and, and dreaming. And I didn't tell her, didn't say a thing about it to her, right? Because I'm a little bit skeptical about this from the beginning. And I'm like, huh, okay, that's cool. And she's like, does that mean anything to you? Like, like what, what do you think it means? And I'm like, I don't know, bye. And like, <laughs> like I literally, I ran out of there. Um, and to this day, like, I can't explain why that happened. All I can tell you is that, like, nobody knew that, that I dreamed that except for whomever, whoever she was talking to and her and me and never went back. <laughs> Just had no interest in, like, having – it's too, it's too okay. close, right? Okay, okay. But were you the old man? I have so off? many questions, yes. And what's the meaning of Black Obsidian Arrowheads? Surely you Googled it. No, I didn't. That's a good that's a good question. I don't know. Okay. Black obsidian oh is oh a glorious God. stone for power, protection, and grounding. It is a root chakra stone, which means that it keeps you tethered to the here and now and feeling a sense of strength and inner confidence. It also keeps negative energies at bay and gives you the courage to face your inner truths. Whoa! Wow. I think it was David from the future. Oh my I think it was David God. from the future. <laughs> How about that? Well, now we're completely off track. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's have the courage to face our inner truth here. It's time to get into the interview. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lindsay? You want to take it away and tell the tell our listeners about Luca? Oh yeah, sorry, give me a second. We need to get into the interview and stop this incredibly long banter session. So, so long. That's with right. That, That's right. And you definitely want to stick around for the interview. Um, as we shared, we're going to talk with Luca, who is from Milwaukee. He grew up in Oak Creek and started performing magic full time in 2013. In 2014, he moved to Branson, Missouri, where he headlined a theater show with a few other magicians that he had met in the field. After a couple of years, he moved back to Milwaukee. And since then, he spent some time being the resident magician at the Safe House, appearing there a few days a week. Um, You can go and get some dinner and have him come around to your table and do tricks. And towards the end of 2019, he started working on Deceptions, which is a show downtown at the Social American Tavern at the Hilton Garden Inn. You can go for a dinner theater magic experience. We had no idea how existed in Milwaukee until Luca reached out to us. So you'll enjoy learning about it um, and about the magic and mentalism uh, within. So until then, stay a spell. We'll see you after the break. Luca, welcome to the pod. Oh, thank you. Thank you guys for, uh, for for having me. We are so excited. So I got to tell you, we've spoken to over 100 people on this podcast, and you are officially our first 
magician. And we are so excited to have this conversation with you, given that we are, we uh, at Imagine, imagine a, a rich and robust community of artists and creatives in, in Milwaukee. And, and up until now, you are our first magician. How does it feel? Yeah, I, th I think it feels, I think it feels pretty good, actually. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that all entails, but um, <laughs> well, we're going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you do not make us or our organization or this podcast disappear by the end of this, of this conversation. That, that, no, that would that's be... really bad for business, actually. <laughs> yeah. Making yeah, people disappear. Yeah. yeah. Don't want to do that too many times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no. <laughs> well, Luca, we're really excited to get into uh, your your whole story of, of growing up near here and, and embarking on this career path as a magician. But we want to start with our sort of tone setting question of can you tell us about an arts and culture experience from the, your past that really left a strong imprint on you could be last week could be when you were five anywhere in between yeah I mean there's there's a a couple of them one of the things that really left an impression on me is when I was performing this stage show out in Branson Missouri I was part of an ensemble group of other magicians there was five of us and it was kind of a sink or swim type thing. I had never done anything that big and that grand of a scale. So it was like a crash course on learning. It's something mm -hmm. that has inspired me a lot um, that I was not a part of would have been a, a magic show, if you want to call it a magic show, called In and of Itself. It's uh, by a magician named Derek Delgadio. You can see it on Hulu. We say magic show, though there's maybe four tricks in the entire thing, mm -hmm. but it's it's literally a performance art. You will laugh, you will cry, you will be amazed. Uh, and that's the kind of magic that I like, but that's not the kind of performer I am. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it just, it's really inspirational to see someone making a show as good as that and using magic as, as, as a premise for it. Hmm. I mean, that, that, that show in and of itself is really just about like life, right? And how we get yeah. here and who we are and how we connect about, with each other. I mean, the, the magic identity. is, yeah, yeah. It, the, the magic is almost like incidental to, to everything, right? It, it's really incredible. I, I've been trying to get my wife to watch it and she's sort of like, ah, oh, you know, magic. And I'm like, no, no, it's not, a, it's not about that. It is nothing, <laughs> yeah. it, it's almost nothing to do with it. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's, um, the best non-magic magic show I've ever seen. <laughs> and that's the trick in itself, right? I guess, yes. right? I remember David talking about it, but I haven't watched it yet either. I will have to add it to my list. Watch it tonight. It is it is incredible. <laughs> so, so you know, again, we, we've talked to like 100 folks, right? 100-ish so, or so folks on this podcast. And like, you know, these are visual artists, theater artists, music artists, artists of all kinds, right? And... You know, it, it strikes me that there there's always been sort of a path for them to get into their into their work, right? Like, like you go to theater school or you go to singing school or you go to, you know, whatever, right? Like you, you, you have a path to get into that work. A, I guess, how did your interest in magic begin? And also B, the, the community seems pretty like secretive or, or pretty like tight. Like how do you even break in to, to, to perform in Branson or, or to sort of like get into like kind of a, a, a an apprenticeship or whatever? Like how, how does one like do that? What's the path? The truth is there there is really no path <laughs> to it at all. There's not. The way I like to, to explain it is magic is a lot like being a musician where the sleight of hand that you practice, that's you practicing mm. chords on your mm. guitar, right? Mm -hmm. 
what you say during your routine is you writing the lyrics to your song you know mm. so it's, it's mm -hmm. a lot like that in that aspect of it however i got into magic as a kid i mean this is the most cliche story ever but it's how it works i was 11. Uh, i grew up i mean i grew up in the 90s and magic was huge back then Copperfield still had TV specials. David Blaine was mm -hmm. really all over the place. The Mass Magician came out, Val Valentino, and he was exposing secrets. And as a kid, I'm like, oh my God, I'm learning all this cool stuff. And as a kid, my mother, she'd take us to the library during the summer because she'd make us read for an hour a day because yeah. education was important. I know what a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so me trying to be clever, I'm like, well, magic's cool. You know, I just saw David Blaine on TV. So I'm going to get some magic books. Besides, there's a lot of pictures in these books. Right. And she let me It flew by. I'm like, yes, when? Mm. The difference is when I'm reading these magic books in the library, I'm reading the same paragraph like three or four times to really comprehend what it's trying to tell me, you know, finger placement and how to hold something and this and that. Mm. So not only am I working harder, <laughs> but I'm actually then applying what it's saying in real life. So she wins. Um, and that's kind of how I got started, started with magic. And it was just a, it was just a hobby of mine. It, it really was. And then I went to college for television video production. Mm. I worked for a as a video editor for a year in downtown in the third ward. And mm. I hated it. I <laughs> love editing video. I just hate doing it for other people. So then a friend of mine got, got me a job in banking and I worked as a business banker for almost five years. And then I was young and stupid. I'm like, you know what, this is cool, but I'm gonna do magic full time because that's a great career choice. And <laughs> It worked, you know, it took me five years of banking in order to build up that book of business and mm. get the right connections mm. and stuff, but it worked and I've, I've never looked back and it's been about nine years now. I've been doing it full time. Hmm. I assume kind of like a lot of other gigs where you are either freelance in some way or needed to kind of like build your own entrepreneurial path. Like the path doesn't necessarily exist, right? How did you start with that and how did that lead you back to Milwaukee as a hub that that could sustain something new that you would create, right? Yeah. So I started off by doing these small little gigs. You meet people, you tell people you're a magician, you do your website, you do your marketing, just like you'd start any other kind of business. And then there's there's magic clubs and meetings where you can hang out with other magicians, people way more mm -hmm. accomplished than I was at the time and you kind of meet them uh there's a magic shop uh, out in Pewaukee called big guys that an owner huh. is the nicest guy in the world so he's introduced me to a lot of other magicians and i just met a magician at the right time who was putting a show together for branson and he brought me mm. on it's kind of you know it's who you know i guess and if you can show them mm -hmm. that you know what you're doing then you know i mean I've, I've given tons of gigs to other people other people have given tons of gigs to me so it's you know it's yeah. that small community of people. So, you know, we oftentimes in in film or whatever, I right, talk about all the all the great filmmakers who who grew up in in Milwaukee or in Wisconsin who are from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, right? I mm -hmm. think when we think about magic, of course, you think of of Houdini, right? Who yeah. grew up in Appleton, moved down to, to Milwaukee. Is there like like a lineage? Like, is there are there folks who were trained mm -hmm. by who? You know, like like I'm mm -hmm. just trying to figure out the world, right? Like when you come mm -hmm. from Milwaukee, people are always like. Dude, is this guy the next Houdini? Oh, um, you know, there's there's not a lineage that 
I'm aware of in Wisconsin. I know there's a couple of guys out there who are professionals and their father were magicians. And there's some other really talented magicians out there who fathers, they were just, uh, you know, uh, uh, amateur magicians. You know, a Mm. couple of cool tricks that got them inspired. Other than like Harry Blackstone and Blackstone Jr., you know, um, I don't Mm. know of any other magicians that were like a, a father and son lineage type thing. Right. Magic is one of those things where it finds you and when it does like you just know it you just start doing it it's mm. just i don't know how to explain mm. it it just uh, it becomes kind of who you are you know mm-hmm. um there's a lot of different reasons people get into magic i honestly can't tell you exactly what would drew me personally to it other than i thought it was cool as a kid but magic is been used by other people who may have some kind of social anxiety they're not good around people it's helped mm. with public speaking mm. um there's a lot of added really good benefits to it you know creative thinking is a great thing mm-hmm. it, so going back back to the question i don't see a lot of lineage to that because everyone in a family they're the same but they're also different you know right mm. um so it's got to mm-hmm. be something that speaks to you on, on a personal level mm. Mm. Yeah, it seems, you know, really clear from how you described just a little bit about your show and about your practice so far that magic is art. That's that's we we phrased the question in in advance to you in a sort of pithy way of is magic art? And obviously the answer is yes. Right. You're it it involves you having to be an actor and a writer and all these things. I'm curious for your perception on did you always perceive magic as an art and yourself as an artist? Do you now? Mm. And is magic respected as an art in like the fields that you've that you've been in it's a solid question uh yes i definitely see magic as as an art form it is no different than comedy it's no different than a play uh each trick each act you're telling a story for one reason or another and there's Mm -hmm. a certain way to go about doing it is it perceived as an art largely no uh, mm. I, f- I feel if I was being honest, most mm-hmm. people, when I tell them or they hear that I'm a magician, they're thinking of Dingle Dork the Clown doing blue animals and real cheesy mm. slapstick mm-hmm. magic tricks. I'm like, my kids will love you. And I'm like, mm. you haven't seen my act. It wouldn't. <laughs> You're like, it's not for kids, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with being a kids entertainer. I'm not trying to go that route. Yeah. Uh, I just, I can't, I can't do it. I mean, I have two kids of my own. I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old and I rarely show them magic because I just, I can't do it to the level that some of these other guys can, you know? Mm. So it it is an art form as long as the magician portrays themselves as as an artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that line between like art and entertainment is so thin sometimes too, right? I think, and it seems like all entertainment is art. Yeah. In my opinion, I mean, yeah. every TV show, every movie that there's an art form to it. There's an art form mm-hmm. to comedy. Everything is is an art form to a certain extent, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was telling the team that, that that I somehow I don't know how I somehow found my way onto Magic TikTok, and so there are all these magicians like doing these you know these close up tricks or, or whatever, right? And and some folks you know share how to do it and. I'll admit, like, I got out a deck of cards and, like, tried to, like, do some, like, do some tricks and stuff. And you might learn the trick, but it is hard to perform it, right? It is hard to do the, the show of it and the, the actual, like, just knowing how to, like, 
do something is not enough, right? Like it's almost like anybody can can stand up on a stage and memorize lines or like sing a song, but it's either really bad karaoke or it's really amazing, right? At which point you yeah. start charging money to to get people to come to your show. But I guess in in that in that sense, like how do you right get to that place of performance, right? Like once you learn how to do a trick, do you sort of like workshop stuff with? with 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 other magicians and like how do you know when a bit works Mm. so there's a number of different ways to practice and it it really depends on the actual routine that you're practicing itself Mm. Uh, the first thing you do is you practice all the slides and the moves that way you can do it and you know them and then you do practice in the mirror to make sure that it looks good from Mm. the audience's point of view Mm. Uh, and then you practice in front of a camera so that way you don't mm-hmm. get uh, caught or you don't start to rely on watching yourself do it because a lot of the mm. stuff you want to do without looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then comes one of my favorite parts, which is writing the script to what you're going to say. Like, mm-hmm. why? Who cares? Why are you watching this? Right? Like, mm-hmm. there has to be some kind of hook or some kind of reason that you're going to care about it. Um, and that is when I get to throw in all my witty and sarcastic and off the wall <laughs> jokes and comments. And I just kind of have fun. My, my, my approach to my scripts is, all right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make fun of this routine. Like, what would I say about it? Huh. Right. And that's kind of my, my entire approach to it. And then you memorize your lines and then you practice them all together. And then you bring it in front of a live audience and you need to do it. And it never goes perfect, especially the first time. You need to do it a few times, and then you, it gets polished is what we, how we uh, refer to it. And then you keep doing it over and over again. And once a routine is polished, you know that you've got it on tack or on point. There's no real shortcuts to it. You've got to go through every stage and every phase of it. But as a rule of thumb, you don't bring anything in front of an audience unless you can conceal the actual method or the secret to the trick itself mm-hmm. you know comedians will like just go to like a comedy club right and, and workshop like a 15 minute segment or a 10 minute segment like is there an equivalent of that where you just like show up at a nightclub and like do, like workshop a bit or, or is this like literally like yeah, a solitary so, thing no so i am one of the uh one of the resident magicians at the safe house downtown Mm-hmm. Um, so I go there one or two days a week and that's where I practice a lot of mm. new material or sure. new lines, or if mm. I have a line yet, I'm not sure if it's funny or not. Yeah. Um, I will try to work it into my everyday conversation, you know, yeah. especially with strangers or people I don't know to see if I get a, a laugh out of them, you yeah. know, and that's now I'm going to wait to listen for one of those in this interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I use, uh, I, I kind of uh, evolve all that into one or if, yeah. I, like I'm naturally quick and witty. So if I think of something, oftentimes I'll write it down or type it out into my phone so I don't forget it. So I can yeah. put it somewhere mm-hmm. into a, a current trick or script. So, so as far as workshopping, yeah. I've got to do it any chance that I can because there's not a real place I can go to. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there are elements of tricks that you're working out and the show in general that have you interacting with the audience in a way that can't be repli- replicated on your own or just with like one or two people, right? Like you have to be in the space. How do you, how do you interact with the audience with your show deceptions or at safe house? Are they different or the same? They're very different. Very different. So at the safe house, I do almost exclusively close up magic. So you're thinking cards and mm. coins and other every, everyday objects, some mind reading uh, uh, bits and pieces and stuff. And then for the deception show, it's uh, it's more of a mentalism based show. So it's more of the mind reading along those lines. 
my interactions with the audience is the same in both. It is very, it's very involved with getting the audience to be involved and be a part of it. It's a small show where you fit about 50 people in it, give or take, maybe 55 or so. So it's intimate. Everyone should feel like they're actually a part of the show. And that's one of the things I try to strive for it um, is that you're not just going to come and watch a show. You're going to come and just be a part of it. Whether you're going to help out by remaining in your chair and maybe you're one of the few people that I get that they get called up for one reason or another, but you're a part of the show in one way or another. And that's what makes it so unique and different. And that's what makes every show different because everyone's different on stage, you know? What do you say to people that uh, I'm maybe talking about myself here? Like, (laughs) oh, my God, what do you say to me? Like, (laughs) oh, it sounds so fascinating, but I'm also a little intimidated by the idea of being like only one of 50. And I don't really know what mentalism means. I think it could be fascinating. But also, am I going to get called on? Like, I'm sure people come in with that fear all the time. Like, how do they leave? (laughs) How do they generally leave? (laughs) Yeah. So they they generally leave happy. And um, I don't know of anyone that's actually left unhappy. Uh, I ask for reviews at the end of every show. If you like the show, you can leave us a review. Uh, All the reviews have been really solid. So mentalism is more along the lines of mind reading or predictions or kind of playing mind games. You know, that's Mm. essentially what it is. And for the most part, I'm really respectful of of the audience. I'm not the guy that's going to make anyone be embarrassed or look like a fool or anything along those lines. There's a lot of self-deprecating humor inside of uh, my show as well. So it kind of puts the audience at ease. I don't take myself too serious. They see that we're just there to have fun and you Mm. kind of relax in that sense. There is one routine that I do in the show well, that I guess could be a little embarrassing to mm-hmm. someone, but I can read a room and I can read my audience. I know the right guy to pick up who can take a decent joke. In the grand scheme of things, it's really not that bad. Have it's, you, da- it's David have you, that can take a decent joke if you ever see him in the audience. That's right. Okay. You, can, you can pick on him. Yeah. <laughs> have you, uh, so we were just sort of like getting to know you a little bit on the website and stuff. It seems like you've done a lot of like a, a corporate events around town. How does that go over? I mean, it's got to be a little bit different than like having a, an audience come in for like a dinner and a show environment, right? Like that's got to be mm-hmm. kind of a different kind of audience and different kind of vibe, right? The difference is I'm cleaner for my corporate shows. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, know uh, your audience, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. No. And here's the thing. Like, I, I don't say anything like super offensive in, in my show. My goal is not to offend people, but there's that line that you can get right up next to, you know, and I like to walk right on that line. Like, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want is uh, a corporate client of mine who had, who had hired me, like they are hiring me and they can get in trouble if I say or do something that I'm not supposed to. So, so I, I, I try to keep it a little more, a little more on the cleaner side. Uh, If there happens to be kids in the audience, which is a really rare thing uh, where I'm at in my career, then uh, I, I, I get super clean, you know? But uh, as far as the actual show goes, they're not entirely too much different. Maybe I change a script around a little bit, you know, depending on who, who the client is or whatever. But it's it, essentially, it's, I wouldn't say it's the same show, but it's the same look and feel. The only difference is, you know, the dinner theater audience just got done eating a meal, you know? Right. Yeah. So why is the show called Deceptions? Tell us about the theme and yeah. So uh, going back to what I said earlier and how when I tell people I'm a magician, they um, 
they think, you know, balloon animals and clown and, you know, real cheesy, you know, bunch of flowers, you know, that kind of stuff. So I started using the term deception artist in all my marketing stuff, because that's the style of magic that I do. I use the same techniques as your card cheats, your con men, your psychics and palm readers. I just do it to entertain and not extort. So when you're coming to my show, you're seeing a a collection of deceptions that I'm going to show you. I think we live in a day and age now where we all know magic's not real. So for deceptions, you're coming to a show and you know that I'm going to lie to you and trick you and deceive you, but it's all going to be in good fun. You know, it's funny, Luca, that you mentioned like that. We all know that, that, that magic is, you know, a little bit of a work, right? It's kind of like. I've been trying to convince Lindsay to go watch professional wrestling with me. And she's sort of like, I'm not going to put words in, in Lindsay's mouth, but she's like, you know, well, why it's, it's all fake. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, it's fake, right? It's, it's, yeah. the, it's sort of like kind of getting into the, the broader story of all of it. That, that, that yeah, I mean, is, so, so is, is so is Star Wars, but we still love it. <laughs> you no, know? like, or Harry Potter, Lindsay, Harry Potter's yeah. fake. Yeah, that's yes. I'm aware. <laughs> we, we know it's special effects, but at, at, at the end of the day, were you entertained? Did you have fun? So in your opinion, how does, how does a show like deceptions or how does magic right in general, right? Sort of stand out from the other kind of performing arts experiences somebody can have in Milwaukee, right? I mean, it sounds like from what you shared, it shares a lot of similarities with many of the other kinds of ways that somebody can get entertainment. Like what, what's, what's uniquely different about, about your show? So my show, as, as opposed to uh, any other, you know, art show that you would go to, go to, whether you go see a play or a concert is the show is about you, the audience. The show is interactive. You're a part of it. And what you say and what you do during that show changes the outcome 100%. And I think that is what makes it so unique and different. It's, it's something that you can actually experience and not just sit back and watch. You know, there's a lot of things you can sit back and watch. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. There's a time and place for all that kind of stuff. But if you want something that's a little more involved, then I think a magic show is great. It's it's almost like an escape room in, in some aspects of it where you're sitting there trying to figure it out, but it's still just fun. And whether you figure it out or not, you don't care. At the end of the day, you had a good time trying to escape the room. At the end of the day, you had a good time, hopefully, with this experience of, of the actual show. I think that's what was what struck me about the the Derek Del Guadio Guardio show uh, was that how much the audience and by implication us right even watching mm-hmm. it at home on TV were involved in the story that he was telling right I mean it, about yeah. who we are who we are to each other and all of that I think I think that's a really interesting point that that like you know in some ways like you're implicating right everybody who comes to the show in the actual experience exactly and I think I think that is what sets a good magic show aside from, you know, a not so great show is, do you feel connected in some way or another? Mm. And that's personal choice. It doesn't mean anything. I just, I like the kind of magic that gets the audience involved and that they are a, a part of it. Though there's some guys who will just stand up there and, you know, make cards appear, you know, for, you know, 15, 20 minutes and that's their entire act and they go off. It's great. It's beautiful. But when you get people involved, when you make a coin appear in their hand or a card appear underneath their watch or something along those lines, then all of a sudden, like you, you are breaking that fourth wall and it is now an experience. Mm. So when you think about your career here in Milwaukee 
and like what the future holds. Do you think that all of the goals that you want, want to achieve as a performer, as an entertainer are possible in Milwaukee? What's been your experience so far? So yes, yes and no. Where I am in my career right now is exactly where I, where I want to be. So I've done uh, bigger things like, like Branson. But as I mentioned before, I, I also have two young kids. And being a dad is obviously the most important thing to me. And if I were to take on a big show like that, or if I were to go do cruise ships or some kind of touring mm. show, which I could possibly end up doing, that would take away from me being a father. And I have both my kids full time. And I, I don't want to do that. You know, they're young and I want to, I want to be there for them. But I do miss doing the bigger shows, which is one of the reasons we started our dinner theater show. So I can almost have the best of both worlds, you know, as they get older, I might, you know, entertain the idea of doing some, some, some bigger and more stuff. But as of right now, uh, I'm really comfortable with the amount of work that I take on and what my schedule looks like. I'm curious. You said we, what kind of team does it take to put on a show like this? Who are your collaborators? Okay. Uh, so there is me. And I do a lot of the legwork and stuff. I have a wonderful partner, Erin. She is fantastic. And she's the one who goes through and does all my spell checking and <laughs> constantly bounce ideas off of her. We talk about me trying out new jokes throughout the entire show. I make a joke in the show about being able to hear colors. I'm like, well, maybe some of you think mm. I can hear colors. So uh, I'm like, but I have not done those drugs today is the line on the show but i changed it just to try it out for a little while where i said i haven't done or i say maybe you think i can hear colors but i haven't licked any stamps recently right <laughs> so and so i was saying the, the the stamp licking joke which didn't play as well as just me flat out saying drugs and after the show one day she goes why are you saying licking stamps go back to the drugs thing it's funnier and i'm like oh yeah thank i forgot i even said that you know <laughs> so so she's she's that person to sit there and she takes notes and says your, your blocking is off why are you putting this down going just to go back and pick it up again so she's fantastic with that i have a, a guy that uh, helps me check people in helps me set up the you know our entire stage and stuff named gibbons and he's fantastic and i bounce ideas off him and he's usually out there taking pictures or shooting video or listening for, for feed, feedback as people are walking in and out. And then I also have a guy, Todd, who handles some of my email stuff because oftentimes they get too many emails. And so he usually handles some of the simpler questions. And then there's a team actually at the social where we do the show. You know, there's, you know, the white staff and the food and beverage directors and the hotel staff. The guests eat in the uh, dining room, of the restaurant, but we perform in the actual hotel. So I got to coordinate with all those people and, and, and they make sure that we're all doing a good job and on, on there and there. So it's, uh, there, there are quite a few people that uh, are all working together on this. Do you think there's enough of a sort of groundswell for, or, or at least enough infrastructure or talent or interest in Milwaukee to make Milwaukee sort of a, like a, like a Great Lakes hub for magic arts in, in our region, in America, like, like where, like where, where, except for the magic castle, right out in Los Angeles, is there like a place where, where magicians convene and like sort of, you know, do things together, right? Like why could, why couldn't it be us? Because it's in Chicago. Oh, it is. Okay. Well, that's, that's a good reason. Uh, that's yeah. No. Um, I mean, Milwaukee's Chicago's northernmost suburb. Isn't that the <laughs> standard joke? Yeah. 
Um, yeah. But uh, a few years ago, the Chicago Magic Lounge opened up. And honestly, I've yet mm. to attend. I have some friends of mine that either have performed there or perform there regularly. And I hear fascinating things about it here. It's great. But that is a relatively new thing they've started uh, in Chicago. That's kind of, I don't want to say it's the magic castle of the Midwest, but um, that's, that's, that's what they're working towards. You know, and they're bringing in some really good quality acts and stuff. And that's not, that's not exactly what I'm looking at doing. Because if I were to do that, then all of a sudden I go from being a magician and an entertainer. And then I go to running an event space. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not that's not what I got in this for. You know, I I'm an entertainer at heart and running the event space was just that just sounds like a headache to me, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean it's similar to all sorts of arts art forms, right? Where like someone is built to be the the guy that runs the right. or woman that runs the comedy club, you know, like right. yeah. different different right talents fit in different spaces and in all sorts of art forms yeah yeah so luca i don't know if you know this but but we have the power as we as we're wrapping up our time together you Mm -hmm. have a lot of powers as a as a magician and an entertainer but we here at imagine mke have the power of making our guests the city's magician of arts and culture for you you can be the magician of arts and culture uh, which means that you could, if, if, if you could make anything happen, any trick happen that would make arts, culture, and creativity better here in Milwaukee, what would it be? What would your trick be to, to, to make arts and culture better here in Milwaukee? I think one of the things that I would do is I would make it mandatory for everyone to see some kind of artistic show at least once a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care if it's a comedy show, if it's a magic mm-hmm. show a concert, a juggler, doesn't even have to be a good show. It could be someone who's just starting out and they're still learning. Mm -hmm. I think you should go and you should support that aspect of things. Everyone should check it out because I think, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but in Dead Poet Society, Robin Williams, he said it best. He said, yeah, being a doctor and a lawyer, and those are noble uh, jobs and that's a noble pursuit and profession, but arts and poetry those are the things that we live for mm-hmm. um, and uh i think that is extremely true even in today's world where everyone is you know sucked into a phone or a screen and social media and you had mentioned TikTok earlier there's no substitute for live theater you know mm-hmm. that's why we still have live theater now even though we've got tvs you know um, yeah. there's just no substitute for it well, we love that answer, and we'll join you in shouting that belief to the rooftops. And speaking of, how can wait, people wait, find wait, you, just, Luke? What, what, wait, just wait, one, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry, just one one bit of, you know, if there's anybody who's listening who has any question as to whether or not magicians and entertainers have any view on or any connection to, to sort of the, 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 the arts or, or creativity or whatever, I just want to note that... Luca, your 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 magic trick about arts and culture here in Milwaukee, or your proclamation, is exactly the same thing that uh, our city's former uh, poet laureate Dasha Kelly Hamilton said when she was on the podcast a year and a half ago, which was to mandate people experience something locally um, in arts and culture, whether it's a, a show, you know, whatever it might be, and that is. Um, it's almost word for word the same thing, which is incredible. And so, like Lindsay said, we, we we absolutely join you in shouting that to the mountaintops. And so, I'm sorry, Lindsay, I, I know you were getting to the most important part of the show, uh, but I did <laughs> want to just call that out. 
Yeah. No, well, Luca, how can people find you and how can people check out your show? Sure. Well, so it's called uh, Deceptions or Deceptions Magic Show. It is a three-course meal and, you know, 60 to 75-minute magic show. We're downtown Milwaukee at the Social American Tavern. And you can uh, get more information and buy your tickets at deceptionsmke.com. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Luca. It was a pleasure to learn more about magic in Milwaukee, and we look forward to checking out your show soon. Wonderful. Thank you guys so much. Well, David, you got to ask your TikTok question. <laughs> <laughs> How did they know that, that, that you would bring that up? I was, I, I, I was, um, <laughs> I don't know what to say about about this. <laughs> Just li- listeners, David's really a big TikTok fan, and I'm just glad that you got to, you know, explore a new corner of it. And uh, I want Luca learn more. To, to... And and I'm I. I'm amazed that you tried card tricks after. Yeah, yeah. Did, I, I, I'm not going to try any on you because uh, okay. it would it would be you you would you would be amazed, obviously, but I wouldn't know what sure. to say. There's not an act with it. You, you can no do the trick, but there's yeah. not an act. Okay, that's right. Well, we'll you know we'll keep working on it, and someday, someday at a at the summit, you can do a card <laughs> trick on stage. Either either at the summit or at the next Imagine MKE fundraiser, right? Yeah, I will. Yeah, I will card go. out like a a couple yeah. of uh, card tricks. Something to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just really excited that that our city has uh, has a has a magic show like has someone like him to to do um to do that sort of work right particularly i think in the kinds of the kind of of magic show he's he's trying to do which is um which is a little bit more kind of like audience engaging right that that sort of mm-hmm. feels a little bit less than le- less less of somebody just on stage doing like doing tricks right it's sort of more about that connection right he talked a little bit about that like if if the audience feels a connection to each other or to the trick or to him then he succeeded. And I think that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. I wish I knew how to read minds. <laughs> how do I learn that? Can I find that on TikTok? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You'd you have know, to find the, the, the TikTok mentalism corner. Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready for this transition? You know who else's mind I wish I could read? Say mine? who? Who? No. Ha! Our who? listeners. You did it. You I did, did it. it. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review, or contact us directly at pod at imaginemke.org. Imagine This Podcast is hosted by David Lee and Lindsay Sheridan and Elizabeth Gasparka. The show is produced and edited by Elizabeth. Our theme music was written and produced by Bobby Drake. Thank you so much, Bobby. Catch all the latest from Imagine MKE. Hit us up at Twitter and Instagram at Imagine underscore MKE or Facebook or LinkedIn, Imagine Space MKE. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next Tuesday. Bye.
By the way, Elizabeth, you just froze when you were like, gives you the courage, dot, dot, dot. My connection went unstable. And and then I came back with uh, with Lindsay sort of just laughing. So wait, what did you just say? It gives you the courage to face your inner truths. The black obsidian is reacting to the, oh. <laughs> to the truth.